and uh, he weighs me down there and it's an older gentleman and he's, he's uh, kind of hobbling a little bit to get over to the chain and he lets hey, it down jerk. and I pull up and, and I, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm being friendly and, and say, you know, hi, you know, how's it, how's it going? And he just starts kind of laying into us about how we can't have that chain there and that it's, we're not the only ones that hunt back there. Oh. And I, you know, and I diffuse the situation pretty quickly and he, the guy's breath smells like he's been drinking. And this segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold American to the core. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. This is episode number 234 via Zoom is Mr. Matt Drury. What's up? How are you? <laughs> via live in studio is Mr. Tim Chelswick. The real deal. Mr. Big Buck Killer. Mr. Saddle Hunter. <laughs> Saddle Mr. Hunter. Public Land. Do it yourself, guy. What other things can we throw into that hunt? You are a cliche if I've ever heard of <laughs> one. <laughs> the, the man will not be put into a box. <laughs> and, and, you know what? Hunting public, they got nothing on you. <laughs> right. I'm going to start, start a new brand called the Hunting Republic. So we'll, we're going to, we wanted to hop in. So the show is a little late this week and we apologize to everyone who cares about that for everyone else. <laughs> it's not a big deal, but, um, We've kind of been grinding it out, trying to kill deer, and that's what's pushed our production schedule back a little bit. And you have something to show for it. Congratulations. Let's hear about this. Yes, yes. So um, so I killed a, a really good buck on public land. I was, I was fortunate enough to be drawn for a St. Louis County. Actually, actually it, it's a managed hunt. Um, St. Louis County opened up their parks, I think ten, maybe 10 of their properties, to manage hunts. Um, managed by the Department of Conservation because they're already doing that on their other conservation areas. But deer densities around the St. Louis metro area are just skyrocketing. It's an issue, and uh, it's not only a health issue, but there's also an insurance aspect to it. So I put in for Greensfelder County Park, which is uh, adjacent to a property that I've hunted for years. So I was pretty familiar with the terrain and went in there and it's an earn a buck scenario. So obviously population control is their main management objective. So you have to, you have to take an antlerless deer before you can start hunting a mature buck. And so that's why I did November 1st, I killed an antlerless deer. And then on the second, I, that was Tuesday, I took a vacation day and, um, and I'd seen good sign because the other aspect of a managed hunt on county on, on these managed hunt grounds, conservation areas and St. Louis County parks, you can't run trail cameras. So I had no Intel other than I found good scrapes and good rubs on a bench on kind of a bench cut trail. It wasn't a man-made trail. It was just a natural kind of part of the terrain that I had known from years past. I'd seen deer back in there from years before. And uh, so I figured, you know, the saddle gave me the flexibility to go in pretty light and low footprint with all my camera gear and set up right at that transition where there's a little bit of opening. But I felt like a trapper. You know, like trappers always talk about how it's kind of the next level of hunting because you have to make that animal step right in that particular spot, the shooting lane I had, like the deer had to come out right at a particular point in the cedars for me to have a shot at him. Um, I, I got in the tree around three, three thirty. I was seeing activity pretty much all afternoon, mostly young bucks chasing does that just weren't 
having it. And, um, but the bucks kept it getting bigger as the evening went on to the point where I had like a probably two and a half year old eight pointer. It was all kind of busted up. He came and bedded down within 15 yards of me and it was getting towards last light. And I thought, man, this guy's going to pin me down here. And I just, it was just weird to have him bed down so close. But with the saddle, I, I just, I don't know if it's the angle that you're leaning out. You look like a tree limb because you're kind of at a 45. I, I don't know what it is, but it seems like when I'm in a stand, they tend to profile me a little more so than when I'm in a saddle. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so this guy bedded down right in front of me, and I'm watching him, shooting f- footage of him, and it's getting closer to the last night, and I, th- I think this is how the night's going to end. And then I hear footsteps behind me in, in the thick cedars coming, and leaves are all really dry, and I'm figuring it's a doe, but I've learned from years past, just look, just in case, and I can see through the branches, it's a bigger-bodied animal, it's a rack buck, and, uh, and oh crap, I, I better start start getting ready just in case. And the little deer kind of picked up on him. He'd been watching. He got up out of his bed and started to bristle up. And the buck that I ended up shooting walks to my right at probably eight yards. And I'm trying to like shift the camera, zoom out, yeah. and all, all the things. And I had other cameras there. I just didn't have the time because it's not only not get, not wanting to get busted visually, but audibly just moving with a yeah. deer that close. It's like you just don't want to get heard. And there's no sound. You know, it's calm. It's, you know, Dead. the end of the night like that. Like yeah. any here, every little movement. And, and, and thankfully the thermals had kind of taken over cause the wind wasn't great all day, but the thermals had taken over, were kind of cascading down the hillside. So he was just on the uphill side of my tree. So that, that worked out really well, but it's like riding a line of just mere feet where my scent profile probably was landing. And he kind of comes in and sidles up and they're both kind of eyeing each other up. And, and, uh, I was like, I, this needs to happen. I'm, I'm going to shoot this deer. It just, it's crazy how it just, it just feels so surreal when it's all coming together. You flip the record on the camera and you're like, I'm going to draw. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And <laughs> I'm a big boy. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> this might actually happen. I might actually know what I'm doing or at least appear like it. And, 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 and you saw the hit. I sent you a, a, a screen grab of it or a screen record. Look great. It looked great. And this is where deer cast track really helped out because when I, when I looked at the hit, I was like, I could probably go get that deer. In fact, I heard him go down and I heard him make a, like a real guttural, like lung, lung damage kind of cough. Um, I figured half hour tops and I'll, and I'll go get him. I got down out of the tree and looked at the arrow, good blood, blood on the ground. I checked deer cast track though. Deer cast tracks had wait three hours and that really surprised me. What was it, the angle or what was the reason? It was a little farther back. And so it was like, you probably clipped the back lobes of the lungs and the liver. And the angle that I was at was, it was pretty steep. I mean, he was, he was right, right there in front of me real close. And and that was surprising. Like to see three hours, I was like, it just looked like, like a, like a slam dunk. We, uh, uh, Jake Arvold came out. Uh, Josiah Durham came out and uh, they were going to help me do the recovery. And we put, uh, we put flashlights back there just to kind of see up in the woods. I didn't want to, I didn't want to push it because I was concerned because deer cast tracks at three hours. I was like, man, it just gave me caution. And, And we could see two eyes looking back in the darkness from about where I thought that deer would be. 
and it was it was heartbreaking. We so we we went back, we hung out, we waited a total of four hours to go check on that deer, and he still had his head. We still saw eye shine back there. Wow. Uh, so we, I was like, I'm not going to do something stupid. Let, let's just back out. Coyotes may get him, but I don't want to make it. I don't want to make force a mistake here. And, uh, we came back the next morning. He was dead in that exact spot. So that was him in the woods, but absent of deer cast track, giving me that three hour, like that cautionary, it's not as great a hit as you maybe thought it was. I think I may have I may have walked back in there and, and incidentally bumped him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't make this, I don't want this to sound like, like a commercial for deer cast track, but I just know like when you shoot a deer, it's so darn important that you recover them and like your whole world hinges on that. And to have like another resource, cause I, cause every, I showed you the, the, the screen record. Um, I showed my buddies when, when they came out and they were all like, we can go get that deer. That deer's dead. And it wasn't. I wonder if it had anything to do with your him being so close in your angle because you, you know, entry versus exit. And I, I, it just, it looked like you 12 ringed him to me. Yeah. Yeah. The, the angle on, it wasn't super low, um, on his body. It was still in the brown hair. Uh, but it definitely did hit liver. He had liver blood coming out on the exit side. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, just just a crazy crazy how it all it all kind of comes together. But then you're questioning like, well, is is it really going to come together? Am I going to recover him? And, yeah. uh, but but very very thankful. Um, and, and I was talking. Sean Lundy called me this morning, and he he was he was talking about the hunt and just asked me some questions. And and one of the things I told him was I I hope that this hunt gives our team members a little more credit in the eyes of maybe other people that watch hunting media, because sometimes I think we get the, um, the stereotype that, uh, you know, that, that we hunt a certain way, like we're the rich guys hunting club, but, but our guys, like they all have jobs. They all work really hard to make sure they have good places to hunt and they work hard yeah. to get at their deer. And, uh, and this is just another example of like, there's a lot of work that goes into this. This, this. These are not, these are not easy hunts. Yeah. Scott and I were just talking about that in the, uh, in the blind last, I think it was yesterday, yesterday afternoon. And it's just like, man, we've been getting our butts handed to us. And it's just like, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, and, and you can totally grind it out and think you're putting in the right moves and still have nothing to show for it. And uh, it, it's awesome that you, you know, we're able to go in on public ground and, and, you know, go in there and, and make it happen in a short amount of time. For $200. Like, you, only there. <laughs> you only hunted there like two times, right? You for the doe. And then this time. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, and in fact, in the, in the footage, I, I think I cut this, but it'll probably make it in the longer version of the hunt. I say, this is a very low percentage, low probability hunt. Everything yeah. has to happen the way that I hope it will. Otherwise, I either won't see anything or we'll see something that won't. I won't have a shot at them. So now, because it's a, a management hunt like that, that buck tag doesn't actually count against your two Missouri tags, does it? No, it does. It, it's it's a bonus. It's a bonus. So I still have two two buck tags in my pocket, ready to roll. Saddle up and get you. <laughs> it's such a weird feeling, but it, it, I mean, it's, it's so great. And I only had that tag for the month of November. So I was like, I, I really want to make sure that I maximize this because mm -hmm. I can hunt on my other two tags for the rest, you know, through January 15th. 
Yeah. So it's uh, just just a lot of wins. And 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 hope the other thing I hope is that I know a lot of people say oh, I just don't have a good place to hunt, but but sometimes I wonder if they've really looked into the public lands that are available. Like it takes a little research, and you might have to burn some shoe leather to get in a little farther. But but there in a lot of states there are some really there is really good public ground and there's more and more resources for people to you know a technology resources for people to access that information to know where to go but usually it requires some prep like i had to i had to put in for this hunt back in june yeah and, and it, you know you're not really thinking deer season in june necessarily but you got to do some planning you got to do some prep but there there are some resources out there to get on decent public ground Pretty awesome, so, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And we were just talking before we hopped on just how tired both you and I are. Cause I know you have, it's not for lack of effort that you have not killed yet. No, it isn't. I mean, this is the toughest, uh, toughest season I can remember in a long time. And that, what's tough about it is it's not, uh, we're putting in the hours. Like we we've hunted, you know, October was warm. So we didn't, it's not like we totally, just like hunted so much in October because I didn't want to burn the spots and I was kind of monitoring my cell cameras and, but we hunted quite a bit still, especially towards the end there. And then, you know, obviously, you know, here in the last 10 days, I don't know, five, 10 days, we really start putting in a lot of, a lot of hours. And, yeah. you know, I usually don't do this so soon, but we've basically been doing some all day sits. We're jumping around from spots, but we're more or less hunting all day trying to catch some midday movement because this weather, the moon sucks really bad right now, but yeah. the weather got real good on us. And um, if you look at that 10 day and deer cast looking ahead, at least for our area, it's going to get super warm right as my favorite time of the season hits, which is kind of like the seventh through the 10th or 11th. And it gets, it gets real warm kind of six through the 10th. So I, I think it could be tough. I think it could be tough and a lot of the, the best action might happen at night there. But so in lieu of that, you know, and or I guess ahead of that, I'm trying to make kind of grind it out and make it happen while the weather is really great. And the yeah. conditions are, you know, we got some really cold temperatures and, you know, so hunting middays and thinking, well, maybe we'll catch, you know, some mature bucks before they find the first available doe and, it just, I don't know. We're not, uh, we're not having so much luck so far. And, you know, it's, I, I have two different properties that I'm hunting two different leases. One of them, uh, is the Ellsbury lease that I've hunted for a long time. And, and we kind of know those deer know their habits, but we just don't really have, uh, we have some mature bucks there, but nothing that I'm really excited about, I guess. Yeah. It's probably a bad way to look at it, but I'm just, yeah, there's a certain caliber of deer that I'm looking for. And I, I, we don't really have many of those, even though we have mature bucks on that property. They, so I've been, oh, I was going to say, ahead. they seem to know your habits too. Cause yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw yeah. the cell cam, the, the cell cam pictures that you put up of, uh, is that scar that showed up? We think it may be scar. Yeah. The, the deer that Scott had, uh, grazed his back with a rage broadhead last, last year, I think in October. And you know, he's, he's, he needs to go. And we probably, I, I should probably just say, you know what, let's quit hunting. <laughs> let's get Scott on a deer over in Ellsbury because yeah. that deer has been visible. Whereas we have some really nice bucks. I mean, some big, deer <laughs> scary over, big deer over in this other property, this other lease. And so that's why I've been focused on it. But that property has been 
just pounded over the last 20 years based on what I've heard from, from the, the new landowner and from locals. And, and um, you, you always hear about the, the group of guys that are the bad neighbors. Uh, well, this property that I am now on, they were the, they were the, they're the bad news bears. Everybody else was managing for big deer. And these guys were just, I mean, there was, I think 15 to 20 of them on, uh, it's like say 350 acres oh roughly. Goodness. And they were just shooting everything that walked. And, um, I mean, you can't go a hundred yards on this place and not see some old constructed, uh, <laughs> power blind, you know, yeah. it, it's very interesting, but all that being said, there's not a ton of deer on it, but there are a ton of mature bucks based on the buck to doe ratio. Like I, I'm shocked how many big deer are on this thing. And they've all got and PTSD. They do, man. They are shell shocked. Like there's an easement that runs through the property and there's a, a older couple that live at the very end of the property, like, you know, past the property and they drive through two or three times a day. And th there's a lot of factors that make these deer, nocturnal and it's it's amazing even the best conditions greats goods greats the deer it almost always wait until it's the last five minutes and then they start popping out and my cell cameras like you know scott and i are there and we could we're in several spots where we can see a country mile yeah and you know and then i got enough cell cameras up there like i'm start i get pinged and a lot of times as soon as we leave i boom 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 the mature bucks they pop out and they you know they get they get after it and so it's been uh it's been an education to say the least and you know we're doing everything i think we should be i mean this this property is is kind of a a gigantic like 100 110 acre field more or less that's got timber and it's it's the ridge the field is the ridges sure. you know and everything just falls off and um so i've i've i don't i haven't been going down into these ravines you know and, and hunting and that's definitely where they're bedded at and where they're hanging out and um you know, I got some sets that are just into the timber, you know, not very far. And I've got a couple of blinds or, you know, some failed food plots that are just kind of starting <laughs> to pop up, you know, and it just, it, it just isn't the strategy hasn't paid off for us yet. And, and we're on one deer that, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a big boy and there's three or four that, I mean, I'd shoot all day long. They're good quality bucks. Yeah. And we just, we, we had an encounter with, we've had encounters with two of them, two of the three, not the big boy, but two of the other other deer that I would shoot just long distance, you know, I'm not interested in the, these deer. They were, they're just looking real hard right now for a doe. Sure. And um, I just haven't been, just haven't been on them. So anyways, it, it's been tough, but we're grinding it out. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to the tough part. So well, here's, hopefully we can make it happen yet. Here's what we'll do. We'll get another saddle. I'll get my saddle. I'll grab the camera. You and me will saddle up. We'll go out there. We'll go gorilla style in there and go after them. Giddy up. <laughs> I, honestly, I do think that's, I do think you could kill one of these deer that way by going down into, you know, these, these ravines, you know, and hunting kind of where I think they're at, but it's just so tough with the way we do it, you know, and, and lock-ons and yeah, it can be done. 
And I know guys succeed that way, but it just kind of goes against our general strategy of, of hammering down in there and, and potentially busting out a bunch of things to get back into it. So, sure. but I can tell you this, as I sit there <laughs> and see nothing over and over and over, I can promise you that thought has been <laughs> several times. Michael Scott says desperate me- de- desperate times require uh, or desperate me- def- desperate times often result in the most quickest results. Huh? I would think so, desperate times create desperate men. <laughs> well, that too, that's also true. And and I know like a lot of people that are listening right now still they've not punched a tag yet, and they can just it's so demoralizing because. Mm-hmm. You're working hard, then you're coming home, and there's still like you still get your responsibilities at home to fulfill, and you got your job, to, you know those responsibilities to to fill, and 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 you really got to watch to make sure that that hunting doesn't become a uh, a chore, because yeah. because boy, it it really can, and I. I, uh, I, I had that kind of internal conversation with myself before the season started because I hunted pretty hard last season. And I, and I think I had neglected some of my like other duties as a dad and husband. And, and mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't want to do that this year. So Tuesday, when I had that day off, I hunted the morning. And, uh, and I texted my mom. I was like, Hey, you want to get lunch today? Like I'm, I'm home midday, you know, midweek I'm home. Let's get lunch. So she came over, I cooked her, I pan fried some of the tender lunch from the deer I shot the night before, had a nice lunch together, caught up. And it was just, it was, and then, then I went out with my saddle and I didn't kill myself. Cause I was thinking about going down to my bourbon farm, driving, you know, an hour to get down there, all the work to get and then coming home. And it was just like, I'm on a mission to kill a deer, punch this tag. And it's like, I'm going to try to take it easy here and try to enjoy this. And, uh, and, and it's easier said than done, especially easier once you punched a tag. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but man, it's, uh, it, it's just, it's such a tough balance to keep, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I, and I, I, I hear you like, you know, the emails are stacking up as much as I try to keep up with it in a tree is just some stuff you got to take care of in front of a computer and, you know, of course the family side of it, actually today is my little girl's fifth birthday. So, um, got to take her to school this morning and we're going to celebrate this evening and, you know, maybe a great day out, but, uh, it's also a great day to, to be with the kids and, and Miranda. So, you know, sometimes you just got to step back and so hopefully when we get back after it'll, things will turn around. Now the forecast, like I said, that 10 day does not look great. And now when it does pick up is the five days kind of leading into the full moon, which I think is the 19th or 20th here in November, like the Missouri gun season, which I know not everybody here is in Missouri, but uh, listening, but um, I think it's going to line up to be, uh, I mean, an absolute slaughter during the Missouri gun season because the weather gets right after a pretty big warm up and yeah. the moon's getting right. So it, it could get really good. And honestly, I also feel like that might be when, you know, the, the mature bucks are getting, you know, done with their first does and possibly looking for a second one. And so I, I don't know, I, I feel like it might be pretty good then. Yeah. Uh, here's hoping. And, uh, and I always feel like if it's a good gun season, that's great for hunter recruitment. Cause I think most new hunters are probably coming in gun hunting and so, sure. so it's sure. not great probably for the, the, the buck population of the, the state, but uh, yeah. that's just, part of it yeah and that's that honestly that's part of the pressure that i'm feeling because there are like 
where I'm hunting, there's not a lot of bow hunters uh, around us. And one of the neighbors he had killed early on. And of course, Doug, the landowner, he killed early on. And so I kind of had this property to myself for now. And I, I kind of felt that pressure to try to get something done before the yeah. gun season. Because frankly, like, I, I think that the bucks that I'm chasing are likely going to get killed uh, by the neighbors during that period. But you know, and that's part of it, you know, so I feel the pressure of trying to make something happen with my bow tag before gun season comes in. And I was originally planning to go to dad's place for gun season, which is kind of our tradition. And um, I don't know, I may have to rethink that and stick, stick around and try to make something happen during the gun season. If I don't, if I haven't filled the bow tag yet. So I, I always feel like my window of opportunity is, is uh, before gun season. I don't have a whole lot of gun hunting pressure around me. Most of the places I'm hunting are more suburban. Um, but, but I just, like, I don't have a whole lot of great food sources. So late season for me is really tough. Like you're just trying to encounter them as they're doing their, the, the little bit of travel they'll do right before last light or maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe midday or something, but it's, it's really tough. So I feel like my season is really September 15th through gun, the start, you know, November 14th or whatever gun season. Starts. Yeah. I think, uh, in general, you know, I think after the gun season in Missouri, it gets real tough until the late season if you have food. And then in Illinois, it's interesting because I've hunted over there for a few years. It seems to get real good during like Thanksgiving time frame, which is when it starts kind of sucking in Missouri, it feels sure. like. But over there, it always seems to be pretty good around that period. And so uh, there's, you know, even into the beginning of December. Uh, but like their first gun season, man, it. I've, I've always had bad experiences for deer movement during their first gun season, yeah. because I think it's just getting pounded in general from the masses and deer just kind of stop moving. Uh, but, but that second gun and the late muzz always seem to be pretty decent. So anyways, I, you know, I was hoping to have a, a tag that's a polar opposite season from last year's season. And that's, it's funny how that we see that with our team members all the time where like, a guy maybe have have the saddle on him, you know, not the not the one you're using, but not the, the helium one saddle, that, the, the, the donkey the saddle, collar. <laughs> and uh, just having a horrible year. But then the next year they're lighting it up, and and it kind of runs. It just I don't know. It seems to run. Your luck runs in, yeah. in periods like that. Yeah, yeah, and it's tough to compare year to year. Yeah, so we got a hammer dropped on us by some of our uh, 100% wild rack packers there in Facebook, uh, for not having a show ready for him this week, but oh, we are going to welcome some of our newer members. Like Let's do it. All right. I see Kevin hopping, Philip Jensen, Jansen, sorry, Matt hunt, John Hendricks, Mark Morans, Jeff Hendricks. Heck yeah. And yeah. So I well, appreciate you guys jumping on. No, no females this time. What the heck? <laughs> I, think, I think we have had some newer, some newer members that are, we're almost at 400, uh, 400 members. So look at us. Uh, not your favorite outdoor podcast that could knife <laughs> up. <laughs> and then over on Apple podcasts, the H man TV said, we are hundred percent wild. I love hearing Terry on the podcast. He was right with his October 20, 21, and 22 prediction. DeerCast was spot on too. Thanks and keep up the great podcast. Thank you, Appreciate it. man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was talking about, I did an interview last night in the blind about this. It said that 
I feel like I need to dial back. I've never messed with my DeerCast custom before because it's my DeerCast prediction is pretty spot on on yeah. my other properties. But I think here on this other lease uh, that I'm going to have to dial back the DeerCast custom to the pessimistic side a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and some people have asked about what does custom do? And that's, it's, it's a little, it's a, it's been a little confusing, but really it just kind of tweaks the algorithm to better reflect like, here's kind of the baseline, but maybe you've got a property that hunts a little tougher than another one. Well, then you probably want more pessimism in your deer cast forecast. So just slide it down a little bit. Um, it, yep. It's just, it's, it's kind of a handy quick reference. Like when you're going through your properties and seeing like, Oh, where should I spend my weekend? If your custom is set, then you just kind of, it's, it's easier to see at a, like at a glance, you can see like, ah, that property is probably not going to be the best one. And this is a perfect example because we talk about it all the time. If it's, if you have intrusion, if you have, you know, maybe it's a public piece or maybe it's uh, you, you know, neighbors, you know, that you can't, you know, that, that are kind of the X factor for your deer movement. That That's the purpose of it. And, and conversely, maybe, you know, I don't see this often, but maybe it's that the deer cast is too pessimistic for your property yeah. and yeah. that your movement's better than what, you know, the prediction's given out. And in most cases it's that it doesn't quite meet up to the prediction and the standards that are set there in the app. So like in this case, I'll dial it back just slightly. It wouldn't be much because it's, you know, I, I, the deer are there. If, if I've talked to Scott about this a lot, if we didn't have the trail cameras, I would have swore this piece had zero deer on it, you know, yeah, but you're not laying but, eyes on them. Exactly. And, and even the does, I mean, there's just not a, it's just not a big, there's not a big doe population either. So in general, the population is, is pretty, pretty low, but here lately with this great weather we finally started seeing some decent deer movement as far as the does are concerned uh which can only give you hope that soon after the bucks will be behind them but in general i feel like if it's if it's saying great on deer cast it's probably just good or okay on this sure sure you know that that would be the the way to look at it you talk about intrusion on a property and what that does for the hunting i didn't include this in in the video of my of my kill from yesterday, but when we were doing the recovery yesterday morning, like 15 deer ran through the cedars just uphill from us, probably at 30 yards. Like, what is going on? Where are all these deer coming from? And then a little dog with a collar on it came running through back and forth, zigzagging through the woods. Like, which way did they go, guys? Yeah, <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then five minutes later, a runner, which I hate runners, they screw and everything you are, up. And you are a runner. <laughs> Self hate. Self-loathing. <laughs> this lady came through with her, you know, her running outfit on, and she was just kind of like, I think she was setting up a, a course for a, an upcoming race event, but it's public Perfect. land. She could be there, but she was zigzagging all around us, and Josiah and I are standing there with a dead deer, cameras going, and waving there like, hey, lady, hi, just so you know that we're here. You're not startled by us. She had her earbuds in. She didn't she couldn't hear us, I guess. She didn't notice us, but you know, it, I could have been hunting that next morning very likely. Cause it was a good spot. And if I didn't kill that night, I might've went back the next yeah. morning and, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, here was this lady running through. So intrusion, like there's just no way you can account for intrusion other than yeah. dial your custom back a little bit. So I got two good stories from this piece about intrusion happened to me in the last five days, two, 
two of the five days. It wasn't that. <laughs> that that'll run them out of there. Well, I think I heard a buck growl. <laughs> but uh, so we uh, we hunted all morning one morning, and uh, this was this would have been probably early last week. And we hunted late in the end of the morning. And so we decided to get down and grab a quick bite to eat and, and go into town, grab, change, go in town, grab a quick bite to eat. Sure. We had changed. We're at the trucks and uh, a truck drove, drives by us. And uh, I was looking down at my phone. I was doing it, sending an email or something. And Scott's like, did you see that? And I look up and there, there's a guy drive, drive by us. And I was like, geez, you know, we got, we got cameras on this road to know when people are coming and going. Sure. And yeah. so immediately Aaron Bennett, that his camera picks up people coming and going. And he, he, uh, he sends the group a, a text with the picture. And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at this guy. It's a picture of the guy's truck. And uh, so we follow him and uh, he goes into the, we kind of lose it. Cause this road goes back in there. And then there are some mm-hmm. people that live back way back in there past our property. So I was like, Oh, maybe he's going to visit these, this older couple. So we go get our food and we come back, you know, it took us maybe 10 minutes and uh, <laughs> we come back and we meet kind of where the entrance of the property is. Uh, the new landowner had put up a, a chain there and it says no trespassing and it's not locked, but uh-huh. it's a chain that you got to physically get out and take up. You can't and, you know, accidentally uh, go through it. Yeah. So when we, when we left to get our food, I put the chain up just to see what would happen, you know, and, and if, you know, we'll just see. And the chain was up by the way, when we had, when we were hunting. And so he had taken the chain down, he come in. <laughs> so we meet our trucks meet right there where, where he, uh, he, he met there at the, the chain link and uh, he weighs me down there and it's an older gentleman. And he's, he's uh, kind of hobbling a little bit to get over to the chain and he lets you it down jerk. and I pull up and, and I, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm being friendly and, and say, you know, hi, you know, how's it, how's it going? And he just starts kind of laying into us about how we can't have that chain there. And that it's, we're not the only ones that hunt back there. And I, you know, and I diffuse the situation pretty quickly and he, the guy's breath smells like he's been drinking and, and, uh, and he's, he's way old, you know, he's probably in his mid seventies, I'd say. Okay. And did uh, his beard tickle too, or what's that his beard tickle you or yeah so he he i'm just apologizing i say hey you know i think i think the new landowner is trying to keep out trespassers he's like well i have written permission to hunt 25 acres back there and i've had it for the last 20 years and you guys can't put this chain up here and i said yeah i go well it's not locked so you can still get back to your properties like you can't put that chain there so i gave him the land he's he's asking about the landowner i gave him the landowner's name and uh turns out the landowner shows up right when oh. you know we're having this conversation Uh-oh. and uh, i said well this is the landowner actually right here pulling up and so he he then talks to him and we end up diffusing the scenario the situation and, it, and it through arm wrestling out, yes we arm wrestled on the hood of my there truck 70 year old man was <laughs> 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 surprisingly strong <laughs> uh but you know i it was just a, it was an interesting encounter, but, but I told him, I said, Hey, look, if you're back there, cause he just gun hunts, you know, and I said, okay. Hey, look, if you're here during gun season, if you ever need any help getting a deer out or anything like that, you see our trucks, 
feel free to come over and we'll, we'll be happy to help you, you know, and I'm just trying to be, to be friendly. And uh, so, so that encountered it, it ended well. He was, he was pretty upset with us at first, but it ended okay. So fast forward a couple of days and we're on the property and Scott and I just got out of our morning hunt. And the, at this point, we're basically hunting all day. We're not eating, you yeah. know, lunch. We're not stopping for lunch. We're eating, we're, we're hunting, not to mention working. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Nothing stops. So Aaron sends us a text and it's a, another truck, different truck. And we're like, son of a gun, you know, like, cause this has been happening a lot, but we haven't been on the property when this happened. So like this the is- landowner has sent police uh, over to check out the sheriff to check things yeah. out before. So we're on the property. So I say, okay, I see him coming. So we're on the, on the tracker and we're heading to set up um, a decoy for the afternoon hunt and uh, to put it out and then go put the track away. So we stopped the guy and I, and it's another older gentleman and he's retired. And uh, this time this guy gets out and, and I say, Hey, can, can I help you? You know, I'm just being nice. And can we help you? He's like, well, I, I've hunted this property for the last 20 years. I've heard there were a lot of changes here. I wanted to come out and take a look. And I said, well, you know, we're, can you we're give me a tour? I go, we're out here hunting today. And I'm whispering, he slammed his door. Uh, He's talking at the top of his lungs. And it just kind of shows you there's different, there's different hunters in the world. Yeah. And and there's no, I'm not throwing stones at any of them, but this guy was a different hunter than, than how we hunt. And so then I felt like he was a little tipsy and I'm telling you, it wasn't 1130. And uh, he's like, Hey, you guys want a beer? And I'm like, (laughs) No, I was like, like, we're hunting. You know, he looked at me like I'm dumb. I was like, yeah, so (laughs) do you want a beer? Uh, So this lasted for 40 minutes in the very center of the property, Uh, talking at the top of his lungs. And um, he got in and out of the truck three times because he had to grab his phone. He wanted to show us pictures and he slammed the door every time. (laughs) I'm clearly whispering. Scott's clearly whispering. And he's talking at the top of the Not lungs. picking it up. No. And uh, then he's asking about the old shack and is it the stove still in there? And they used to shoot their guns while they were, they slept in the shack and they'd shoot their guns at night. And, you know, the old outhouse, you could kill a deer out of the outhouse. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Uh, oh. And so finally, you know, the conversation, I, I finally get out of it. I'm like, well, we're going to get back to hunting. And I am not kidding you. He went, and the next 15 minutes, he drove his truck to every spot we had. He'd put, cause we got cameras all over the place. He'd pull out, he'd turn around. He'd, and Aaron's like, what oh the hell goodness. is this guy doing? I was like, he's just a friendly old man. He offered us a beer, just checking the place out. I was like, wait, what can you do? You know? And the landowner's like, I hope you told him, you know, sternly that he can't, can't do that anymore. It's like, man, I can't, you know, do that. I just, I tried to imply that we're hunting, we're hunting hard, that we paid for this lease. And yeah. It's all you can do. You know, I'm not going to start time. an argument with an old man right there in the middle of the farm, you know, to his defense, sure. he's hunted there his whole life, basically, it seems like. And he just, you know, it's he, he now no longer has the property. And I think that's something that happens it's more tough. and more and more. And I'm sympathetic for it. You know, we're the, the new leasee that came in that, you know, you get a bad name for doing this stuff, but we paid, you know, we paid good money for the lease and we're hunting hard and, you know, it's, it's tough, but, uh, 
nonetheless, those are my two old man encounters in the last like five, 10 days here. This was the same property that the guy was cutting wood on during turkey season, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I was a different guy. I haven't seen him since. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to bring like refreshments or snacks to entertain people as they stop by and just uh, visit. Have, have them at the front gate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have some extra chairs, sit down, chill yeah, out. Wait, what can you do? And, I, and so that kind of, I think that gives you a better insight as to why the property, the deer are nocturnal. And I told Scott, <laughs> yeah. I go, look, it's going to take three or four years for a whole new crop of deer to come in and grow right. up and yeah. be comfortable around that property. Cause these deer are shell shocked. Yeah. It's going to, it's, you're going to have to play long ball with that piece of ground. Jeez. Yeah. So, well, and it also goes to show that just because you're not hunting public ground doesn't mean you're also not facing intrusion. Yeah. It happens to a lot it, of people out there. It happens so. everywhere. Yeah. In fact, the St. Louis County park rangers were trying to run down a guy that had parked on the the um, the the private property that is, is adjacent to uh, to the Greensfelder County Park um, because they also so he was trespassing there, but they also found trail cameras out on the county park ground and wow. they thought they belonged to him, and that's like I said earlier, that's another no no. So there was just like I was like this is a lot of drama out here just trying to kill a deer hearing all these good thing you killed one man yeah yeah get in there and get out yeah. I, I do have one more doe tag one more antlerless tag for in there so I, I may try to fill that but yeah I was very happy day one day two I'm good boom boom yes uh how about we jump into the question of the day all righty. The question of the day is probably brought to you by Cold Steel, professional hunting knives for real hunters. Hey, guys. This is Matt from New York. I want to start off by saying I love the podcast and keep up, keep up the great work. Will do. So my question of the day is, do you guys use ladder stands? Would you ever use ladder stands on private property? Or do you just strictly stick with hang-ons and box blinds? If you hate ladder stands, do you mind explaining why? Thanks, and good luck this season. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. And Matt, so, if you uh, if, if you're listening to this show, shoot us a message on the uh, um, the the Rack Pack Facebook page and give me your address. We'll send you a Deercast hat for submitting a question. Nice. So we have some experience with ladder stands on the other lease in Ellsbury. So that's a piece of property that I hunt with Adam Wainwright on. And he, he's not there often, you know, he might come for a couple of days at the end of the seat at the end of his baseball season. But when we first set the property up, we put up all ladder stands because the guy was in the prime of his career. I just thought like, we got to be safe, better safe than sorry. Uh, let's put up all these ladder stands sure. and I just don't want any, you know, any accidents and mishaps. And this was really before when we first started with that property, it was before you saw a lot of lifelines or safety yeah. lines. And um, so, so anyways, we went to, with the ladder stands, which, which by the way, I mean, since then I've learned, you know, ladder stands can have their um, perils as well. Uh, you kind of, I don't know if most people probably know the story of Ned Yost. He was the, the baseball manager that had ladder stands on his property in Georgia. And, and one of them, he ended up like having a major accident. Ugh. So it, it can't happen. Um, what, what I have noticed is that, and maybe they've improved since then, because I haven't bought any since for the last probably five years, but 
you cannot climb in a ladder stand without it popping. <laughs> what I have found. Like right where the, the, cause there's almost always a, um, a connection in the middle of the ladder where a yeah. uh, rod then goes to the tree. And that connection always seems to, in my experience, pop. Now that's not to say that this is every tree, this is every ladder stand ever, but we had probably four or five on that property and I never had any of them not pop when you climbed into them. And so I personally, that, that is one element that I just couldn't stand. Another thing that I really had a problem with when you're archery hunting, a lot of ladder stands have the rifle or the gun. Yeah, the um, gun rail gun rail in front, which is really tough to hunt around archery hunting. So that to me was a bit of a detractor and you, there's ways to get around that stuff, but for gun hunting, it's, it's not bad. I mean, Hey, you got a rest in front of you. It's pr pretty ideal. But in my opinion, if, you know, if, if I hadn't my choice, I'd go with a lock on, uh, and, and climbing sticks going up and a lifeline, already in it so that you can be hooked the whole way up and down. That's my personal preference. It seems to be a lot quieter and a lot less popping because even when you're in the ladder stand shifting your weight and mm. I, I feel like pop, I always had a lot of popping happening. So, you know, that was my experience. That's been probably four, four or five years. Uh, but we have systematically taken all of our ladder stands out and replaced them all with lock-ons. What's your experience, Tim? Matt is anti-pop. Uh, yes. ladder stands to me are the double and they, uh, for the, for the reason, like the gun rail, if it's got a gun rail, it's totally in the way for bow hunting. Uh, most of the places I'm hunting to even to get a ladder stand into is problematic. You know, packing all that, all those segments in they're they're big and they're bulky unless you're putting it together, like they're at the tree. And even then it's still a lot of hauling. Um, I also like when I'm in the stand, I like to, I like to be sucked up against the tree trunk. And I feel like in most ladder stands, if you stand up to shoot, cause I, I almost never sit down and shoot. I'm always standing when I shoot. And so you're standing that out, you know, at least the width of the seat platform away from yeah. the tree. And I feel like if a deer's off to your side or something, you're just, you're, it's too easy for them to profile you. So I, I really don't like ladder stands. And then like, when you're standing, you've only got that, that little, at least on the ladder stands I've hunted on, you've got like a little rung, like a, a, just a little platform to move around. You don't have the ability to rotate as much as you would on a, on a traditional lock on. So I, I've hunted out of them before, usually on like friends' properties that already had them hung and I was a guest there and that's what I hunted out of, but I just, I don't like them for bow hunting. I will say this, if you're taking, say, um, um, you know, an older person that's maybe shooting a crossbow or, or maybe it's a young child or like, they are pretty nice, you know, in that regard, if you, you know, there's usually, usually they're bigger, they feel a little more, uh, you feel a little safer sitting in it yeah. because it's you're almost enclosed in a little box, so to speak. So like there are definitely positive attributes, uh, depending on your case. And if, if, you know, who you're taking or who's hunting with you, you know, I, I, I could see, you know, potentially taking, you know, Cameron, you know, in a stand, like in a, a ladder stand, you know, yeah. whereas I into a, you know, a lock on. So, uh, you know, there, there's case cases where I could see them being very, very useful. Yep. Yep. Just like any tool in bow hunting, like it's got its applications and 
you know, your the stuff you give up and stuff that you gain as a result. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Great, great question, Matt. Thanks for chiming in. Um, and if, if folks want to add a question uh, to the show, they can just hit the link in the show notes and it'll take them right to the place where you record your message. Well, let's talk about the wildlife word, shall we? Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Wildlife Word is brought to you by the Stanley Sportsman Collection of insulated drink containers. Get yours for those chilly November sits. You can get them in Mossy Oak Bottomland, Breakup Country, and Blaze Orange. I used my Bottomland one uh, two days ago. We took Cameron out for a hunt with us, and we had it full, full and ready to go. So when you take a kid, as you know, like you got to pack so many extra things. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, so I got my daughter the trigger action mug and she likes the little squeezy button that you have to push to get and she uh she left it in my truck for like two days and i was thirsty i was just getting done with a run i was thirsty and i found it and it had like some of her kool-aid or something in it, and it was still cold and it was like this was back a month or so ago when it was still warm out it was like nice eh. and it was a nice surprise to get a, a cool beverage in my truck i didn't expect that that same trigger one is what Cameron uses. And then I had that, the new bottom land one kind of a refill scenario. So well, yeah, it, they're it's nice. Not, I mean, I like them. Especially with kids. Cause they don't always keep things vertically. Like yeah. I, I found this bottle laying on its side in the rear seat of my truck. And thankfully mm -hmm. it hadn't, uh, it hadn't leaked. Like it, the carpet was dry. So I, I appreciate the, there the, you go. Uh, the, the, the leak proof method, the leak proof aspect of it. Easy for you to say. <laughs> Not so much. I'm so tired. I'm so, you were making fun of me a couple of days ago because I was in your office and you're like, dude, what's up with your eye? My eye was twitching. <laughs> I was like, I'm not trying to come on to you. I'm just really tired. Sure, Tim. It's exactly, it's exactly what it looked like. It wasn't off-putting at all. No, you, you asked me to keep doing it. Which that was, was off-putting like, in itself. I'm trying, I'm trying to be serious with you, but I, I can't stop staring <laughs> right. at you. I'm really distracted right now. Finally, I was like, are you okay? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm okay. Not great, but I'm okay. Yeah, ditto. <laughs> okay, so. I'm predicting to be poor or bad here <laughs> in a couple more yeah, days. Yeah, I think though. we should just live our lives by the DeerCast rating categories. Yeah, no doubt. Just depends on the barometer. Okay, a scrape, the scraping ability in a white... So first off, scraping happens year-round. It's, it's just something whitetails do to communicate. We see it, obviously, more in the fall. The scraping ability in a whitetail seems to improve, however, relative to their A, eye socket diameter, which is important, B, their canine tooth length, hmm. C, their plump gland, plumpkin gland size, which is possibility or d their maturity well i would think it's d maturity i think you're right i mean all those Man. other are uh, they're they're plausible but it is their maturity <laughs> could be pumpkin gland size <laughs> so the the size of the scrape the complexity of the scrape the frequency of scrapes those things all tend to increase as a buck matures yeah. And, uh, man, my scrapes are just getting hammered lately. And some of these deer that we're after these nicer deer that we're after, it's just amazing. I mean, you finally get, you know, in the summer you might be getting distant pictures that might be cruising through, but this is the best time of year for trail camera 
you know, images, you just get that best close up high quality imagery right in front of the cameras. I just love it, you know, and, and uh, we're getting some really good ones right now. I got a personal question for you. Let's hear it. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Do you ever take a wee wee into a scrap? Yeah, I just did uh, a couple of days this ago. Morning. And then we it got hammered that night by a pretty big deer. I mean, I, you know, I, we, we hear this debate a lot, you know, will you pee off your tree stand? Will you, you know, bottle it up? Like, I, I really don't think it bothers them personally at all. Like, it's just another weird scent that they're trying to show their dominance for. Yeah, I, I did it a couple weeks ago. I had a friend in town hunting and I peed into a scrape. And the first I crossed, we crossed were, streams. <laughs> thankfully, we did not because <laughs> it was a female friend. Oh, <laughs> Ew. <laughs> What are you yeah, doing over there? Friend, I don't believe it. <laughs> we were in the blind for five minutes and, and a spike buck came right up, right to the scrape, checked it, hung around there for a few minutes and then walked off. It was like magic. So it works. It does. Although I will have to say <laughs> taking a leak just out of your stand, just to void your bladder. That's it's, it's a miracle. Like it's incredible. It's like it 20 feet of stream. Did it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? Because of that micro factor I take, mine looks uh -huh. like Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> All right, we better end on that note. <laughs> Let's do that. So um, so the next episode, we have no idea who's going to be on. But No, <laughs> might just be Tim and I. <laughs> it could be. Hopefully we're talking about your butt kill. Uh, <laughs> we better not schedule it around that. You're not a doucher. <laughs> All right. Let's shut her down, Timmy. Let's do it. All right, everyone. Well, hope you're having a great season so far. If not, just keep checking DeerCast. Make sure you're timing your hunts right and stick around for the next episode. See we hope to see week. you guys on the uh, Rack Pack over on Facebook. Temperatures are going to be dropping. Perfect conditions for the skinny. Yeah, I got to focus on those afternoon hunts. Northwest Tree Stand, 5 p.m. It's the easiest decision you'll make this season. Get ahead of your game with DeerCast. Until next time, I'm peace gonna go, out. I'm going to go take a nap in my... Uh, in my office right now. Yeah. Just crawl up under my desk and pull a George tag. Costanza. Nice. All right. You guys want to do a tag? We're doing it right now. Oh. Oh, we are? Okay. Well, my wife's staring at me. She needs to leave our house. So. Ah, you're getting the glower look. <laughs> this is the door that she needs she to can, leave. She through. can walk past. It'd make a great tag. Yeah, walk past. I'm going to be doing a bunch of things right here. Oh, okay. Just be doing a bunch of things. The, the there tag, she is. This I'm is Miranda. Her. The tag is Matt getting in trouble. <laughs> Boom. All right. All right. Happy birthday, Lola. Yep. Thank you. See ya.